Focus on the Family Canada's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive Program is a proven program designed to save couples from the brink of divorce. For over 15 years, Hope Restored Marriage Intensives have helped more than 4,500 couples, and over 80% of those surveyed are still together two years after attending. If you or someone you know is facing a crisis in their marriage, please call Focus on the Family Canada today at 1-833-999-HOPE or visit hoperestoredcanada.ca to find out more. My daughter and my son, the 11 and 8-year-old, just completely fell apart, bursting into tears and weeping and wailing. And they were, you know, please don't leave daddy. And my, I think my little boy said something about us being poor and living on the street or something, you uh, know, just instantly went yeah. an interesting place for a, yeah. an 8-year-old. Um, so I just kind of gathered them all in my arms and he went up to pack and get some more clothes to leave. So in essence, he left you with the rubble of their emotions. Mm-hmm. That's Susan Birdsey, a single mom of five kids, describing the day her marriage ended unexpectedly, and she was facing an unwanted divorce. We're returning to Susan's story today on Focus on the Family, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller. John, last time we shared a powerful conversation that we recorded with Susan, and I was personally touched by her vulnerability and candor about the hardships she and her children have faced as the result of her husband's infidelity. Think of that, that one bad decision and the ripple effect of it. Susan is living with the tragic fallout of divorce, and she's one of uh, too many unwilling victims in our culture today who have been abandoned by a spouse who walked away from their family and ignored God's plan for marriage. So it's up to us in the Christian community to reach out with compassion forgiveness, grace to these broken families and help them in any way we can. Thankfully, Susan had a church family that supported her, and I would urge you to find opportunities to serve such families through your church as well. And that's why we're addressing this difficult but important topic again today so that we can all be more aware and sensitive to the struggles that families of divorce are facing. If you missed the program last time, get the CD or download from us uh, or get the Focus Broadcast app so you can listen at your convenience. And we mentioned last time that Susan has captured her story in a book called When Happily Ever After Shatters, Seeing God in the Midst of Divorce and Single Parenthood. We have copies of that here for you. Call 800, the letter A, and the word family to learn more, or visit focusonthefamily.ca. And now, Jim, here's how you began part two of the conversation with Susan Birdsey on today's Focus on the Family. Susan, let me just say it's great to have you back here. Thank you so much. It's very good to be back. I just love your spirit. You have a bright smile. Um, I can only imagine the days that you had tears in your pillow. And how lonely that must have felt uh, when your husband said to you, I'm leaving. Uh, We talked last time about how that came out of the blue. Uh, He simply went to pick up the dry cleaning and was gone a long time and came back and and hit you with that. Your kids were playing in the background. You had to gather your senses. You had to find out what was going on. And over the course of a few days, it unfolded as he defended and then eventually was forthright with what was happening, an affair with another woman. And uh, then he had to deal with the kids. And he told your kids, as we just heard in that clip, the way in which he did it, he told your kids what was happening. You said something that really, ah, I mean, it really gripped my heart when you said he didn't touch them, he didn't. I mean, it brings tears to my eyes. 
that a dad in that moment wouldn't know the damage he was doing hmm. to put his arm around his little daughter and hug her and say, I love you, but we're just not able to stay together. That had to have such an impact on your kids. Huge. Definitely huge impact. Okay. we got to reset a little bit with your ex-husband, mm-hmm. the emotions that you were feeling. We talked last time about bitterness and how that root of bitterness, it really is the differentiator. You can call yourself a Christian, but if you go through trials and tribulations and you come out with great bitterness, you've got to question your walk with the Lord because that's not the heart of a believer, mm-hmm. even when bad things happen to you. Talk to us about how you dealt with that. There are many men and women that have been wounded in their marriages. Talk to us about how you dealt with that specifically. Sure. It is a huge, huge issue because it, it will infiltrate all areas of your life. You're parenting to your children. It's, it's impossible to hide bitterness. It just seeps into everything if you allow it to. I think there are some steps. I, I, I definitely um, knew God was the source of my strength. And um, Did it ever I've feel ever... false to you, like it wasn't real, but you were saying it anyway? Absolutely. Mm. There definitely are times when... You know, you're just walking by faith, you know, and, and there were times where I had to be like, it's not about what I'm feeling. It's about what I know. It's about what I know. I know who God is. I know his character. I know I can trust him. I'm totally not feeling it right now. You know, I, I, and so many times, cause there are just these mountains and valleys of this, you know, days where you feel like, I know in coping with it for myself, there would be days when I, I felt, uh, so sorrowful. And I just wanted to fix it, and I would do anything to fix it. And then there were days I was so angry. Mm. I just wanted you know, just to pound something and run away. And, and you just the range of emotions is profound, what, yeah. what you're dealing with. But God is just this steady. I, I used to say um, I, was, I felt like I was in this rocky, tumultuous water uh, all the time, but that there was this steady stream of peace underneath me, like my feet were in it. You could foundationally, feel I was in it, ah. but the rest of me was like, blah, you know, just a complete mess. <laughs> but I knew that God, I knew God was going to get me through it. It's just hard to get through it. Ah. He brought me through. You know, I, I knew I had to deal with anger. I think a, I would say a big thing with the anger issue is to recognize it as a valid emotion. Yeah. You have some serious mm-hmm. righteous indignation in there. Um, you also have some, you know, I'm going to hunt you down and. Well, I probably shouldn't say what. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's it's honest to have those feelings Absolutely. and those yeah. thoughts. Yeah, you just want to do very bad things. Uh, and I, my chapter about anger is slashing tires and other thoughts to take captive because you do you kind of go that route. I'm just gonna go slash all those tires and you know whatever. Uh, but I knew I had to take control of those emotions because I knew what that would do um, to my family if I was angry. My children would be angry. Mm-hmm. I just I I did not want to raise angry bitter children, and right. I think for me that was a very strong motivation. And you have to for model me. it for so they can I, see it. I have to. Kids model in it. that situation, they're not going to listen to your words because mm-hmm. words will be all over the place. They're going to watch your actions, mm-hmm. and they're going to determine your honesty through your actions mm-hmm. and through what they see in you. Yes, and it's a constant battle. It's a conscious battle too mm-hmm. to do that anger, bitterness yeah. thing. And you, I would say the one thing is not to allow yourself to be. To make sure that your friends are people who are who don't want to jump into that pit of anger with you, because your friends feel it so deeply mm-hmm. when they're walking you through this, and sometimes I think they almost take on more of that anger because they want to go out there and set it straight, set it straight for you. And I knew I had to make sure my friends, the friends I surrounded myself that I sought counsel from, were people that were going to hold me to a higher standard mm-hmm. and say. 
I know you're feeling that. Let's not go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wrote about giving your husband an ultimatum. You, you tried for a few days and maybe a weeks to weeks. think it through and to do and to prove to him that we have a chance. Let's mm-hmm. try. But then you realize that you didn't think there was hope and you gave your husband the ultimatum, me or her. That takes a lot of courage. And a lot of women uh, will shrink back from that because they don't want to hear the answer that they may hear. How did you find the wisdom to make that statement to your husband, to give him that ultimatum? Uh, if you could describe that for us, and in looking back on it, do you think that was healthy? Mm-hmm. I sought counsel, my pastor, a marriage counselor, uh, friends that I really trusted, people that had gone through difficult circumstances who I knew were prayer warriors, who were in, you know, just truly godly counsel, uh, what to do. Because I think some, even in the Christian community, you get people that are like, kick him to the curb. You know, as soon as you find out, just he didn't deserve you. Just, you know, and I was like, no, I, I, that, that's not what I feel called to. I, I made a covenant with this man. And until God tells me, no, I'm going to stay. And uh, so I, I really prayed about it. What was happening, I, it had been weeks I was trying to convince him to stay. I noticed uh, that his behavior was not changing for the better. Mm. And he was pulling away from our children. He was increasingly distant. Which was his and, protection method because mm-hmm. he didn't want to face reality and mm-hmm. really fess up to everything sure. that had gone on. Wouldn't set any boundaries on the relationship with the mistress. It just seemed like it was time. And I, I would say what helped me, I had a friend that said, you know, at no point is it hopeless. And I knew that my saying choose to him was not my saying leave. I wasn't asking him to leave. I wasn't asking for a divorce. I was saying, choose. I'm holding you accountable for your actions. And there are consequences for what you're doing. And the consequences are you have to choose. Now, when you said that, um, how was your stability emotionally? And what were you expecting to hear? And were you prepared for that answer? Yes, I was. Uh, I had farmed all my kids out. And I had been praying, and God was so gracious to give me verses about standing strong and Him Mm. being my foundation and not shaking. It was just really interesting, the verses He brought me to. And I was just praying, God, if this is not what you want me to do, will you please make it abundantly clear when He walks through that door? Just give me a sense of where I need to go with this. Well, He was late, and I suspected that He had been running with her. and he didn't notice that our kids weren't there. You have six children. You know, that is almost that inconceivable. Would be, that would be immediately apparent when you walk through a door. Exactly. Um, and uh, he was very demanding and very rude, which had not been my husband prior mm. to all of this happening. Not that type of person. Mm. And uh, he was like, well, I'm going to go take a shower and and kind of have dinner on the table when I come back. Gee. I was like, wow. Okay, well, I guess God just <laughs> So That's confirmation. He, he came down, and I he ate dinner, and I sat across from him. And when he finished, I said, I need to talk to you. And I had prepared a settlement agreement. Uh, it's a property settlement agreement. I think it's what it's called. The marriage counselor had said, if you're going to give your husband an ultimatum, you have to have something that he signs that says he's going to take care of you. Because as soon as he sets his foot outside of the door, any sense of guilt he has is going to diminish as each day mm-hmm. passes. And mm-hmm. he will no longer want to take care of you all. I had it on the table with me. Um, he said, okay, what do, you want? what do you want to talk about? And I said, I want you to decide tonight if you're going to stay with the children and me or you're going with her. 
I said, if you're going to go, I need you to sign this. And he instantly reached across the table and pulled it to him. And at that moment, I knew. Yeah, no hesitation. Uh, And when he left, he said, he packed up some more things and he said, well, I'm going to go sleep at the office. Um, It was very emotional. And uh, I had friends that were waiting. Uh, I had three couples from church that were kind of up at the Starbucks near my house. And as soon as he drove away, they drove up uh, and were there for well, me. That's, and, you've mentioned that support group several mm-hmm. times. How vital is that? Oh, imperative. Godly support. People who are going to encourage you in your faith, who are not going to encourage you to be angry or bitter or malicious. It's very easy to go down that road. Um, yeah, absolutely. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Are you passionate about optimizing websites that deliver value, perform well, and engage their audience? Can you lead a project from start to finish? Named one of the best Christian workplaces in Canada, Focus on the Family Canada is looking for a web administrator to join and manage our dynamic web development team in Langley, B.C. If you or someone you know feels called to serve families, explore current job openings today at focusonthefamily.ca slash employment. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. Let me share with you a story that I've seen several hundred times. A young man and a young woman attend university or college. Since no money has been saved for the tuition fees, etc., and since credit is so readily available, they both obtain student loans, student lines of credit, credit cards, and accumulate a lot of debt. The young couple meet and they fall in love and get married. They both get full-time jobs and purchase automobiles with 0% financing. Not long after, they purchase a home, and because they have no savings, they borrow the down payment from their parents and take on a large mortgage. The student loans, credit cards, car loans, and the big mortgage accumulate to a huge amount, and they encounter significant financial problems. At this point, they ask each other, how did we ever get into this financial mess? Unfortunately, this couple has unknowingly been violating many biblical financial principles and are now suffering the consequences. To learn how to deal with excessive debt, Go to copelandfinancialministries.org. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Susan, after the discussion and you slide or he grabs the separation agreement and quickly wants to sign it, uh, there's a whole new process in place now. Now you're moving from kind of an emotional environment to almost like a business environment where you're going to separate your assets now. You're headed to court. The judge is going to throw the gavel down. It's going to be done. Uh, Through that process, uh, in your book, it indicates that your husband is not the one willing to do this, yet he's created the environment that the ultimatum needs to be put to him. Uh, Talk about from that point forward what was happening in your relationship. Well, what I didn't realize that the property settlement agreement, when you file it, becomes a legally binding document that begins the divorce proceedings in my state. I didn't realize that. Uh, you, you're, there's so much going on, and it's very difficult to <laughs> keep track of everything. Well, nobody um, typically is an expert in this yes, when it happens. Yes. Uh, I did have a very good friend who did become my attorney, a Christian woman, uh, who wanted reconciliation almost as much as I did, which was a huge huge blessing for me. Um, And I was, if you can 
envision it, that person with my heels dug in, like, I don't, I don't want a divorce. I don't want a divorce. I don't want a divorce. I don't want to do this. I don't know if this is what God wants me to do. I know. And I knew it was that biblically I was okay, you know, because Jesus makes provisions for that with adultery. My church was supportive of whatever I wanted to do. They were very much walking me through it. And um, she kept saying to me, it's never too late. It's never too late. She's like, even if you're divorced, you can get remarried. Mm. She just kept giving me that perspective that you, for me, in my circumstances, in order to protect my children and myself financially and to make sure that we were cared for, uh, we had to file at that point. And that's a, a lot of the women and men I have spoken to going through this. It, that is such a quandary as a Christian because you don't want to do this. Yeah, you're trying to take the high road and hope. You, absolutely. You don't want to play this game. I don't want to play the divorce game. It's difficult. It's time-consuming. It's painful. You have to keep track of things. Oh, it was just a nightmare. And and divorce, I always say to people, divorce is not a solution. It is another problem on top of a problem. Mm. It doesn't make anything better. It's just a whole other set of problems. But having that perspective that this was just a way to protect my children and myself. It was a legally binding document, yes, but it didn't mean the, that I was giving up hope. It just meant I, I wanted to make sure the children and I were taken care of. Mm. You know, five kids is a lot right. no, <laughs> to take true. care of. Um, and, and that's what it did. And God totally protected me through that process. And um, I did not give up hope. And I think in, in a way, the guilt there, again, of the offender, in this case, your husband, mm-hmm. um, they may want to hang on to the fact, well, I didn't file. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the one that asked for yes. this. But in essence, they were yes. emotionally mm-hmm. and in every, every other way. Uh, but it gives them a small out for their conscience, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I know, uh, you know, divorce is a very difficult topic because n- nobody really knows how to walk through it. You know, we, we each have our individual journeys that we're doing that. And I think seeking godly counsel, um, your pastor, uh, a Christian marriage counselor, right. and making those decisions for yourself. And, yeah. you know, God will guide you through it. And it's just like any painful thing in our lives. We walk through it. God is faithful. Um, what have you found in your own emotions, perhaps in friends, both male and female, who have had to struggle through uh, what I could have done better mm-hmm. to hold on to this marriage? I think as women, we tend to look at ourselves not necessarily uh, as a wife, but as a woman. What could I have done better? What's What's wrong with me? as a woman. Whereas a man, it's very much about his role. What could I have done better? How could I have performed better? I hesitate to say that it's performance for a man and personality for a woman, but maybe it has a nuance more, pers- to it. more personal for a woman, more performance for a man. Maybe that's mm-hmm. a better way to say it. Um, and I think uh, what has helped me with that, because I don't think you want to revisit the past and beat yourself up over your failures or perceived failures in your marriage, because there is no excuse for adultery, regardless of what was going on. There is no excuse. Mm. And I, uh, our marriage was good on all fronts, I would say, you know, and I think if you talk with marriage counselors, often they'll say it really, and my, the counselor we went to said to me many times, it wasn't about you. It right. wasn't about what you could have done, what right. you couldn't have done, what you did do, what you didn't do. It's not about that. It's about him. It's about him and God. And somebody that I knew um, that had gone through this and they were restored, the offender I shared with me, he said, you know, you give up God first, then you give up your wife, and then you give up your kids. Mm. He said, you don't give up your wife first, 
you give up God. And the vacuum that you have in your heart that you're trying to fill with that physical relationship or the emotional relationship or whatever this inappropriate relationship is, is to replace God. Uh-huh. So I, I think it's it's important not to beat ourselves up mm. um, and try and figure out what went wrong. I think you have to come to the place where you go, God, what do you want to make of me through this? And how are you going to bring me through this? Make me into the woman you want me to be. And it's a hard process. And there are, t- there are definitely some judgmental feelings you sense towards you. Um, you can feel like you have this scarlet letter D all over you, mm. divorced. I own that box now on those forms. I have to, I have to click divorced mm. on there. It's very painful. It's very hard, you know, very difficult, challenging, painful circumstances. And to come on this other side and you have this new label that you don't really want to have. Um, and I think one of the things that really has helped me is to recognize that that's not my identity. It's my marital status. Right. And my identity is in Christ. And it's learning to define myself as a single woman and not as a married woman, as a single mom, um, and all those things, and to see the blessing in it, to see that God can work through these unexpected, difficult circumstances and still make something beautiful out of it. I mean, single parenting, oh, I do not recommend it. It is very hard. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen God do amazing things. I have blessings every day I can focus on. It's that, it's where my focus is. Is my focus going to be on, I went through this really awful circumstance. Is that going to define me? Or is the person I became because of that going to be what I define myself by? And and let me give a little uh, definition to that. You can meet people that have been divorced 10 years and they're still railing. Mm -hmm. Uh, They haven't moved on from that spot. And that's unhealthy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's the forgiveness thing. If I forgive, if I allow God to enable me to forgive, if I make the decision, I made, I kind of had to go through a process and to make the decision to forgive. That's not necessarily forgiving. That's saying, I'm going to, I'm going to try and do this. It. I'm going to ask God to help me through it. And then I'm going to act on that. I'm going to act like I have forgiven you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to treat you respectfully and kindly and graciously. I don't feel it. I'm going to treat you that way. And and in doing that, it takes the power of that circumstance, that situation, that offense away. I have the right to be angry, but I don't exercise that right. Were you describing a, a continuum there? Was there a point that you can remember where it all fell together and you felt that you were forgiving him? Mm-hmm. Did you remember, do you remember the day that, boom, it really feels like it's in my heart now? Yes. And I wrote him a letter that day and told him I had forgiven him. It's a funny thing to be divorced um, and you know he's remarried, um, so I couldn't really call him and go, "Hey, let's meet for coffee. I want to tell you something," because right. he's a married man. Right. It's the weirdest thing, you know. It's like I can't go have coffee with my husband because he's anyway. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> it's I, just this odd place. So I wrote him a letter, um, and I told him I had forgiven him. I said, "I know I will still struggle with anger towards you because of the repercussions on our children, but as far as your relationship with me, I forgive you, and I'm moving forward, and I'm going to try and always treat you respectfully, and I wish the best for you, and I'm praying for that God will do." amazing things in your life. And um, God was so gracious because a couple hours later, he t- uh, my ex-husband texted me, just said, thank you, wow. which for me was huge because mm. I didn't think he would even acknowledge right. it. But that was a little step, I thought, you know, for him to say that to me. That was mm. a, you know, a glimmer well, of the man I knew. Yeah, I mean, you're v- being very kind, but I mean, it, it shows more about your graciousness. 
than well, anything else. It's a hard else. fight. It was hard fight. It's yeah. not an easy thing. And you don't decide and just forgive. Yeah. It is a process. And it is a continual at some times. You know, I think you forgive the offense. But there is just like with anything, you're going to have to continually forgive. You know? Well, and let me ask you this, uh, which is attached to that. Um, looking ahead, and I hope mm-hmm. this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at your little girl. Mm-hmm. And maybe she's, fast forward, she's 18 now. Mm-hmm. And she's had a bad experience on a date or something, and she comes home and it flares up about the loss of her father in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be a temptation to get angry because mm-hmm. of the residual effect on your kids from your husband's decision. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about that? Yes. <laughs> yes, I have. I do think that's going to be a struggle. I mean, in all honesty, I don't I don't know apart from God mm. just helping me do that. Mm. How how to do that? I I mean, I there are circumstances uh with my ex-husband where he does not see or will not see that this affects our children. Uh. He will not see that. He will not admit that he has abandoned his children, will not admit that, and uh, feels like he is a very good father and uh, that the kids are fine. I don't think he can go there. And, you know, part of that is, uh, I mean, sometimes it's laughable, the things he'll say, um, and I just have to be a duck and let it slide off my back because I can't do anything about it. And apart from the most powerful thing I can do, which is pray for my kids. And, um, you know, pray that God will take this and turn it around and make them stronger, more compassionate, Mm -hmm. um, faithful individuals because they have been through this. I mean, that's (laughs) Susan, you are hitting it uh, so straightforward. And I, again, I so appreciate your vulnerability. Susan Birdsey, author of the book, When Happily Ever After Shatters. Um, This has been so helpful. And I know many, many people, both men and women, uh, we'll be helped with the comments that you've made. Thank you for being with us oh, here at Focus. Thank you so much. What a great conversation with our guest, uh, Jim, over these past couple of days. And I really appreciated how you concluded offering a message of hope. That's right, John. We have hope even in the midst of suffering and painful circumstances because we believe in a God who heals and redeems every situation. Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things, not some things, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's the good news message for every one of us. And I know God's got a purpose for Susan and her children in the days and years ahead. I hope our listeners have been inspired and challenged by Susan's story to trust God in all things, both on the good days and the not-so-good days of our lives. But I also want to invite you to join us here, Focus, uh, to work on divorce prevention, helping hurting couples who may feel like they've lost hope for the future of their relationship. What these folks need is godly encouragement for reconciliation and the restoration of their marriage. And with your financial support, we can work together to connect them with one of our caring Christian counselors or uh, get involved and sign up for our Hope Restored Intensives, where we provide counseling over several days to couples who are in desperate need. And the good news is that that program is so effective, uh, we've seen tremendous results through our Hope Restored efforts. That's right. Four out of five couples who go through Hope Restored are reporting back to us two years later. We do a survey, 
and they're still together and thriving. And you can be part of that restoration process. That's 80%, by the way. Mm-hmm. And you can join our marriage ministry team with your gift to focus on the family today, a monthly pledge or perhaps a one-time contribution. When you get in touch, order your copy of Susan Birdsey's book, When Happily Ever After Shatters. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or you can donate online at focusonthefamily.ca. Coming up next, a powerful story about a former drug dealer who eventually became a pastor. This guy who's from my neighborhood, he had this beautiful Cadillac and he was only like 18. And I remember my friend said, yeah, man, he's a crack dealer. And then it went into my head, crack. That's the way I could get a car. (laughs) On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back next time as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.